This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. With your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen and Haw Show, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score weekdays, 530 to 10. Dan Wiederer covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune. And a busy day at Hallis Hall, Dan. We saw the Bears add another player today. We saw Ryan Poles speak about the moves he did make uh, leading up to today. And we heard from the new Bears a lot of... A lot of ground to cover, but we want to get as much uh, quick reaction and analysis to our audience as possible. Where do you want to start? What was your biggest takeaway after spending time at Hallis Hall? Well, I'll start here. There were six new players introduced to us this afternoon at Hallis Hall or this morning as well. Uh, and it's uh, just a, a snapshot of how much roster restocking and overhauling is being done. Uh, you're looking at a team that's overhauling a lot. And David, it felt like walking onto college campus for freshman orientation. You don't know anybody. There's all these new bodies and faces walking in the room. You're saying hello, getting to know them for the first time, trying to feel them out. And we're just getting started with all the new people we have to meet. Because keep in mind, uh, about six weeks from now, we're going to have 10, 11, 12 draft picks that we're going to meet for the first time as well. So this is going to be a new look Bears team in 2023. And this is one step along the way of getting to know some of these guys. You can get the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on YouTube, the score 670, the scores YouTube page, and you can download, listen, and subscribe. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. It's been a busy week. It's not over yet. So let's start with the latest news, and the latest news is the Bears signed a defensive tackle to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. They had a pretty modest, prove-it contract, very similar to the kinds of things you see 
teams do when they're trying to add depth to their defensive line. Andrew Billings will join his sixth team in seven years as an NFL player. He was a starter for the Raiders last season. He comes to the Bears and gives them that depth. I don't know if he projects as a starter. We don't know what kind of rotation they'll have. It's very early because there's still the draft and the rest of free agency, but what was your first reaction to the player that Ryan Poles didn't talk about because it happened after he left the podium? Yeah, as a journeyman, David, that's joining the Bears to add depth and competition to the defensive front, which we've talked about for the last three, four days. They've done little there to fortify it. And so this is an effort to fortify it. Now, Andrew uh, has made 51 starts during his NFL career. And so you've got a guy with starter experience, um, but there's no high level uh, production there on his resume. And so you're basically looking at a guy that, that you hope can come in and be at best a starter at worst, a rotational guy that, that helps keep the linebackers that you just signed a big contracts behind you clean. But here we are in this next wave of free agency. I think we can all agree that the first wave of free agency has hit the shore and receded. And now the second wave is all about these value signings, about these prove it deals, about trying to find guys that are hungry and available that can come in and try to take advantage of an opportunity. The Bears have more opportunity to offer than most teams. And so this is an example of of, of the type of signing you're going to see here for the next week and a half, two weeks. I don't want to neglect the backup quarterback that was signed, P.J. Walker, P. period, J. period, Walker. D.J. Moore, no No periods. No periods. I think it's a key key distinction for a writer. So T.J. Edwards, periods. Okay. See, now it's all very confusing. Look, this is is all very confusing because we have signed a DJ, a PJ, and a TJ this week, but also two Walkers, PJ Walker and Demarcus Walker. So when I'm talking about college orientation, keeping everybody straight here in the early stages is not an easy chore. And the last we saw of uh, PJ Walker, it was really his most famous moment of 22 was throwing to DJ Moore. The Hail Mary pass that was completed in the end zone and for a touchdown. And wasn't that the play where DJ Moore tore off his helmet and created the penalty? But that was PJ Walker on the other end of that reception, throwing the pass. And I, I think that's an interesting thing to remember. But I also wondered does how his familiarity with DJ Moore factored into anything, or maybe it will just help be another familiar face. I don't want to make too much out of that, but it is interesting. The helmet removal, if you recall, led to a missed kick by Eddie Pinheiro, which cost a a football game. Bears fans can relate to that very well. Uh, Look, like obviously the familiarity between P.J. Walker and D.J. Moore is good for those two guys. P.J. Walker said it himself Thursday afternoon that, hey, we were neighbors in Charlotte. And so just knowing that you've got somebody else that you can kind of get your feet on the ground with during this transition period, I think what sometimes gets lost uh, in situations like all these guys are experiencing in the weeks and months to come is that there is a major transition that goes on for free agents that have to find a new home, get their families settled, try to figure out where they're living, get their feet on the ground, learn a new playbook, figure out the directions to the facility, figure out where you're going to go in the facility. And so uh, just having somebody that can navigate that with you that you're close with is helpful. Minor, totally minor in the big picture, but it's a a little something. Uh, I thought as notable as anything was PJ Walker just talking about how uh, DJ Moore's ability to separate is such a, a friendly thing for a quarterback. You know, because he can create space that then allows you to to feel like you can pull the trigger. And when we talk about the steps that Justin Fields has to make as a third year passer in the NFL, that's one that he's got to that he's got to make. And so to have a guy that that consistently gets separation and uses his skills to get open should be a help to Justin Fields.
Fields. It's obviously why he was such a priority in the trade. And you heard from Ryan Poles today saying, you know, DJ Moore was the guy that that made us react and, and move on this trade as early as we did. And we'll get to what DJ Moore had to say about everything in a moment. But I want to start there with Ryan Poles and his 12 minutes that he shared uh, with the Chicago Bears media. Um, he has he talked about every player that he acquired. There's some specific things I want to get to. But Dan, overall, what was your biggest takeaway from hearing from the Bears general manager on Thursday? Uh, yeah, Um you know, so the dust has got to settle on all of this roster rebuilding to get a true comprehensive look at things. And I think Ryan understands that, you know, he, he was um, forthright, I guess, in saying, look, like the, the urge for everyone, including those in the front offices, we got to fix everything and we got to fix it now and we've got resources. And then you have to take a breath every 90 minutes and say, well, we're not going to fix everything. So just relax and take this one step at a time and figure out where to go. Now, along with that, David, you have to understand that, um, we're only going to hear about the Bears' successes in signing players, right? Because that's just how the free agency process works. And it's not until weeks or months up the road where you, you hear like, oh, they were in on so-and-so and the negotiations went sideways. And we don't have that intel yet. So we don't know how many plans uh, on the best-case scenario track that the Bears laid out before the week began you know, went astray for, for one reason or another. We do know that they were active in the offensive tackle market. We do know that they made a, a, an aggressive push toward Mike McGlinchey. He signed with the Broncos. Then Juwan Taylor came off the board. Then Caleb McGarry came off the board. Then Orlando Brown came off the board. And the Bears were left without one of the top-shelf offensive tackles in this market. And Ryan Poles had to address that today and say that look like that's that's part of this process uh and and we were just married to value and 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 when the value got outside the range that we felt uh comfortable with we had to say okay we'll move on and they moved on a handful of different times for a handful of different reasons at that position um you figure it was similar at the defensive tackle position we didn't get a chance to drill deeper down on that probably have to wait until the owners meetings in a week and a half but I, I guess my point here being is that is that we can't just assume that the bears have gone to bed every night of this free agency period over the last four nights and been got it did exactly what we wanted to do today i think there's probably been some frustration that we don't know about yet and may never know about i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, there, there, I want to start there because the Orlando Brown Jr. question is one that's going to nag me. And it might, I don't know if it's only me, and I understand some of the explanations, but I want to get to those explanations. Let's start with the news. Overnight, Orlando Brown Jr. signed a four year, $64 million contract with $43.5 million guaranteed with the Cincinnati Bengals. 31 of it, 31 million in a signing bonus. Up front. That's a lot of money up front. It's a, it's a uh, contract that I, I expected to be bigger, frankly, yes. in terms of size and, and what the projection was because of the, the accomplishments that he brought to the table. We don't know some of the, 
you know, demands he might have made about playing on one side or another. But we do know, based on reporting league-wide and what we're aware of, but talking to some people, too, that the Jets and the Steelers were the other two teams in on Orlando Brown Jr., not the Bears, not the team that has the, the biggest need at offensive tackle. And obviously, so that today, let's go back to Ryan Poles at the podium. He was asked about the suggestion that scheme might have, the lack of a scheme fit might have contributed to the decision and the thought process in pursuing Orlando Brown Jr. Chief, you were with the Chiefs when you guys traded for Orlando Brown. Yeah. He was one of the premier free agents in this class. Mm-hmm. You guys need help on the offensive line. His number came in fairly reasonable. Mm-hmm. Why was that not in play for you guys or not a fit for you guys? Yeah, I'm not going to get into the specific player, but, you know, the scheme match is a, is a big deal there. The scheme match is a big deal there, Dan. Where were you standing when he said that, and what is your t- initial reaction to that? Front row, second seat from the left, <laughs> facing the podium. I thought it was a really well-asked question by Jason Leeser. You know, he, he laid out the yeah. context of it all yeah. and, and and got right to it with Ryan. I mean, I understand that they're looking for a specific match at that position for, for, for this. But look, like, again, you went into free agency with a bunch of, of guys on the top shelf. And, and, and we know that they swung at McGlinchey, and we know they didn't connect with McGlinchey. And so, so, so you have to have um, – an eye on upgrading that position at some point, because again, as we sit here on Thursday afternoon and uh, everything's unfolding, you're still looking at an offensive tackle group right now. That is Braxton Jones, Larry Borm and Kellen Deesh. You know, at some point, and I get it, they're going to be able to draft somebody. You're going to be able to take advantage of second and third waves of free agency, but my God, I would not be sleeping at night if I'm, trying to put Justin Fields to a, you know, $300 million test in 2023, trying to see what, what he has and whether he's worth paying all that money long-term and, and having that be my offensive tackle rotation and group. It, Obviously, it, it's not going to be right. Like we no, know that, but, but I know that I guess what I, I still remain, it's, it's a little dissatisfying or I feel like it's unresolved in my head yeah. because these aren't teams that were pursuing him that are bad teams. The teams he's coming from aren't bad organizations. So my thought is that, okay, if this is a, a very specific scheme issue that he doesn't fit, it's a, it's a square well, like peg in a round hole. Uh, how, he, how is he just that crossed the, the bridge from Kansas City to Cincinnati, right? Like the two yeah. teams that are that are competing for Super Bowls, and they both felt felt good enough with or, them. Or, or they felt like even though they're married to their scheme, that there can be tweaks and adjustments or he can be coached in a way that overcomes these limitations, if you even want to call them limitations. They certainly haven't limited his earning power and career. Now, you can make the argument that something got in the way of him sizing the, signing the kind of contract we expected him to. But let's face it, he's still a very highly accomplished and decorated offensive tackle who is a free agent on the open market, and the Bears chose not to pursue him. And we're supposed to trust Ryan Poles' better judgment here, and I want to do that. And I think he's made some really good decisions along the way. But it's not carte blanche. It's okay to disagree here. It's okay to support that disagreement with what I just discussed. It doesn't make any sense to me, Dan. Neither did this comment from Ryan Poles. And I don't think we have the audio, but I want to read it to you. And I want, I want you to tell me what you thought when he said this, quote, I think you can get in trouble if you go heavy with the biggest need and you fire away there and you let really good players walk away because you're too stuck on where you need to get players. Edmonds and Edwards, the linebackers he's talking about, are really good and at the top of their position. That's in reference to why the linebackers were pursued. But it also, I have a hard time understanding 
that premise because he's saying that you can get in trouble if you go heavy and you address your biggest needs in free agency and you ignore the good players. What is the purpose of free agency if not to address your biggest needs? I think philosophically what Ryan is saying makes sense in many years in that like you don't want to be so blinded by need that you let good players at other positions go by the wayside because they don't fit your biggest area's needs. But we stressed for months that the whole reason that Chicago was gaga over uh, losing 14 games and getting rid of every good player on their roster is because they were going to have an opportunity to have full flexibility and full opportunity. They didn't have to go down one, one lane. They could go down three or four lanes at once. They could go through the buffet and, and bring three plates back to the table because they were going to be able to choose off of so many different, uh, you know, platters so to speak and so like like that the, the answer you read there was why uh after stressing that the need was for offensive line defensive line and corners in in january did the first two big signings of of monday come from the linebacker table you know in the middle of your defense and so that was ryan's answer and so i get what he's saying big picture on like you don't want to be so blinded by need that you let a tj edwards or trey main edmonds get away but th- it wasn't a one or the other here like you could have had Tremaine Edmonds and still gone and signed a, a, a top shelf tackle. See, there was nothing that prohibited that on offense or defense. You could have signed a top shelf tackle, right? And and, and they didn't. And and That's so so, so you're left. And and like like so to, to the other point, you used a good word a couple minutes ago, and it was unresolved. And I'll be forthright here. I'm not an offensive line expert, and I rely on people that I know that know a lot more about that position than I do to help inform me. And so I've got homework over the next couple months to talk to people about scheme match. And, and at what point does, does talent level uh, supersede scheme match and, and, and your ability to work with things. And we're just going to have to dig around a little bit and figure out why, um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals felt really good about Orlando Brown. The bears didn't. And, and certainly the Cincinnati Bengals can go to the starting gate of protecting Joe Burrow. Uh, feeling a lot better than, you know, Larry Borum and Kellen Deesh as your your current uh, top-line well, well, guys. That, that's, it. That's, it. That, that's it for me, too. I mean, it, it's a case of where guys who are in the business and guys who have worked in the NFL and they can point to even fans who don't agree with you, they're going to say, you know, you're not an offensive line expert and what do you know? And, I'm not. And, I'm, I'm, I'm not, happy but, to say that. It, right. And, and but, I, but I think what you do when you – try to gather information or, or you just ba- rely on your own experiences. You look at, you look at things that connect Orlando Brown jr. If he was a bad scheme fit for the bears and the bears are identifying this as a problem. Okay. But what was it about the other organizations, the two others that he excelled for and won with and the Cincinnati Bengals who were basically a, now a perennial super bowl contender and the Steelers that were pursuing him as well. Well, don't forget How he also they, played for the, the the Baltimore Ravens when Lamar Jackson was winning MVP awards. So, so yeah, he, he played for Lamar in an offense like Lamar Jackson when he won the MVP in 2019. Justin Fields is here. I, I, it doesn't really – to me, it sounds like an excuse. It just does. And, and I, I respect – yeah, I respect where people are coming from. Um, and I just think that it's okay to question these decisions – because you want the Bears to succeed and every move to look like a genius one doesn't mean it is. So, well, well David, I mean, like, I am 100% behind you on that topic. And th- that's why this week has been strange for me. I had someone say to me on Thursday, no, Wednesday evening, I lose track of the days here. Today's Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday evening, that you got to understand that the Chicago Bears tore down a 6 and 11 football team. 
right? A six level football team that was eight and eight, two years before they tore it down. And right now, if you went position by position and tried to figure out what on the current roster is in better shape than it was for an eight and eight and six and 11 football team, you're not going to find very much. Right. And so that, that leads back to the point that, Oh my God, like they just have so much work to do. And you know, some of the, the, just the premature crowning of, of the moves for, for this week has just, it's just baffled me in some circles where you're like, what, what, what am I missing here? And so we'll just continue to progress again. We'll get okay. to May 2nd. We'll yep. see a 90 man roster at that point. We'll be able to agree with Ryan polls at that point and say, correct. You didn't fix everything. You promised you couldn't fix everything. You didn't fix everything. Now here are some of the potentially fatal flaws that are still on your roster for 2023. And what do they mean for this team? Um, but look like, right. Like they, six guys came in the building today and we don't know how many of these guys will finish the contracts they just signed. Exactly. That's free agency, right? That's a free agency. That's a good point. Sorry for the digression. Let's keep moving ahead. And I'll get through this next few things a little bit quicker. So Ryan Poles, because of the flexibility that he now has, maybe by necessity or design, we'll wait and see. But he talked about the different offensive line combinations. I thought it was very interesting, Dan, as we, before we hear what he has to say. Cody Whitehair at center is a possibility. Braxton Jones locked in at left tackle in all likelihood. But this is what Ryan Pohl sounded like when talking about the various combinations. With the O-line, I'll stick to this. You know, we're going to put the best front five up there. Um, but I also think there's some flexibility in some conversations where Cody could work some center. He's got almost 4,000 snaps there, had some good seasons there. Um, so we're going to move it around a little bit and see if we can get that the best like front three possible. So Nate Davis came in today, David, and, and said that the last time he played left guard was in college at Charlotte. So it's a long way back. You wouldn't think that you would give a guy $30 million on a three-year contract to make a position change. So Nate Davis is coming here to be your starting right guard. Okay, well, the guy who was kind of in that role toward the end of last season was Tevin Jenkins. Do you want to shift him over to left? Okay, if you shift him over to left, now that bumps Cody back inside the center. Ryan's end comment there was kind of, look, like we're trying to find the best combination of three on the interior center and both guards. And we'll, we'll move those pieces around with some other people in the mix, maybe a Lucas Patrick, maybe a draft pick, maybe a Jatiri Carter and figure out what works best there. But it's another example of, man, you've still got a lot of work there and a lot of piece reshuffling to do to stabilize a very important piece for the 2023 Chicago Bears, which is trying to make Justin more comfortable. I don't think he was asked this directly, but Tevin Jenkins does have experience at right tackle. And you wonder, is he a potential option at right tackle? Because as we've talked about, they only have three under contract. They may draft one at number nine, but what do you think about him moving to right tackle? So here's a couple of things. Number one, that was one of about four questions that we didn't get to on my checklist this morning because Ryan had to get in and out so fast for some reason you know, scratch my head on that. But Tevin Jenkins, as you understand, got bumped inside the guard last year because he was struggling a little bit at tackle. There's another misperception within the Chicago Bears fan base on how much of an answer Tevin Jenkins is at offensive line. And I don't know where it comes from, David, because I'm going to ask you right now, after two seasons, remember the Bears traded up in 2021 to get Tevin Jenkins at the top of the second round. And there's been 34 games that the Bears have played since Tevin Jenkins became a member of the organization. How many of those games do you think he's played more than 50% of the offensive snaps in? That's a really good question. I wouldn't, I would say less than half. Give me a number. Uh, of games that he's played more than 50% in, 10. 11. Right. So we've got two seasons and we've got 11 games in which Tevin has not been on the field for more than half the time that the offense has been on the field. So there is nothing here that says, oh, 
Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, go to sleep at night locking Tevin Jenkins in. There, there, there's, there is nothing that says that his availability and his durability is suddenly going to become something where he's there for 17 games for the long haul. So look, he's going to be given an opportunity to start. He's going to be an op- given an opportunity to compete. I don't think they see him moving back outside of tackle. It's something we're going to follow up on in the next couple of weeks here uh, when we get a little more time with Matt and, and Ryan in, uh, in Arizona at the owners meetings. But like just – Take a breath and take a step back when you're talking about Tevin Jenkins and understand that for this regime, the ability to stay on the field, the ability to be, you know, consistently available and durable and reliable is paramount to what they want to do going forward. And Tevin certainly has not checked that box through two seasons. And Braxton Jones certainly has in one, the fifth round draft pick out of Southern Utah. His durability was one of his greatest assets as a rookie. He has a lot to work on. He's got to get in the weight room, live there and take that next step. But let's face it, there's an opportunity in the draft at number nine to take one of two guys who probably project as a left tackle. More ideally, Paris Johnson Jr. could be a guy who you envision playing left tackle. You draft at nine, you'd probably want to keep him there. You wonder if they would move Braxton Jones to the right side. Peter Skronsky, uh, lesser so perhaps, although some people will tell you that the arm length issue is overstated. Doesn't matter. The point is, is that right now Braxton Jones is the left tackle and would Ryan Poles be willing to move him if they drafted somebody or traded for somebody or signed somebody? This is what he had to say when asked about Braxton Jones. You know, for a young rookie from, you know, Southern Utah to start and play every snap, you know, I thought he did some really good things. We expect growth and development from him. Um, he's working out, getting bigger, stronger. Um, so right now, you know, he's the starting left tackle. Uh, if we create competition and, and move guys around to see what the best five is, that's what we'll do. Right now. Yeah, and, and, right now. and brought up the idea of moving things around, you know. Um, look, I mean, like, I think we understand that for the Chicago Bears to take a encouraging step forward in 2023, they are going to have to be a lot better on the offensive line and the defensive line. And right now, right now, (laughs) to use Ryan's words, there is nothing that indicates that they're going to be any better at either of those positions. Again, we still have six more weeks until they, they stabilize their, you know, most of their roster going into OTAs. But my God, I don't feel good about either side of the ball when you're talking about the trenches. Wow, that's a little deflating, but I think that I can't argue with that because you did come into free agency wanting to address what were our priorities we've been harping on in this podcast and everywhere else, offensive and defensive tackle, offensive and defensive line, start from the ball on out. It gets repetitive and redundant, and yet it remains unaddressed. So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving forward. Okay, let's get to the new players because of all the ones we heard from, I feel like uh, there are a couple questions I have for you. Let's um, begin with DJ Moore, who I think is a guy that is going to be easy to for fans to like. He was at the Bulls game already with Justin Fields and Darnell Moody and Chase Claypool running the show. It was cool. The Bulls gave them jerseys. 
what was your just overall impression? It seemed like it had to be a strong one for DJ Moore at the podium at Hallis Hall. So I'll say this. He was asked what he was going to miss about Carolina, and he said the houses, which we assumed and we, we interpreted as uh, DJ has started a house hunt here in Chicago, and he's, he's had some sticker shock of what he's experiencing as someone who moved <laughs> who moved from Carolina back to the Midwest uh, you know, a decade ago. I understand what he's experiencing. And so my heart goes out to DJ as he continues a house hunt. I will also say that um, – as someone that makes just a touch less money than DJ, he'll be fine. He'll find a nice house that fits into his price range and he'll settle in quite, quite significantly. I think that, uh, I, I think DJ Moore is, is a, a dude who's got a, a real calm inner confidence about himself. I think you can feel that in his first meeting, he's not going to be this, um, you know, outspoken, you know, <laughs> bombastic receiver, uh, but he's going to give you what you want in terms of work in terms of uh, trying to develop chemistry with Justin Fields, you saw him at the Bulls game on, on Wednesday night with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney and, and Chase Claypool trying to, to get an early chemistry with guys he's going to be working a lot with. Um, I, I, I'm just excited to, to hear from Luke Getze on one – what he likes about DJ Moore and how he can fit him into his offense and then how he can use all three of those guys that we just talked about complimentary, right? And, and, right. and how do each one of those guys fit a niche within the offensive system that allows them all to be at their best in certain ways that then allows Justin to be at his best. And well, that's the key. And I think that's what was refreshing to hear DJ Moore, who's been a bear for five minutes, come in and understand <laughs> like every free agent, who made the choice of you know signing with the Bears, they understand a big reason why was because Justin Fields is doing this, is ascending, and he wants to be a part of that. And DJ Moore knows how he can help with that. And that's what he had to say about playing with Justin Fields. Uh, I'm real excited. Uh, I heard a lot of good things. Uh, we've been talking it up for a few days, so looking forward to get on the field. So he's been talking it for a few days. It's a big uh, jump for DJ Moore because he has played with a variety of quarterbacks, none of them consistent. And if Justin Fields achieves the consistency that all these moves are intended to provide and sustain, this is going to be a dynamic duo. I think we have a tendency to look at these guys sometimes as, as football players only, right? And we forget that they're just normal, everyday humans. And so when DJ Moore is kind of recounting Friday's trade and saying he was walking down his driveway to get some packages and he got a, a message on his phone or a call on his phone that alerted him he was traded and he was just like, all right, whatever, we'll, we'll see what's next. You know, you know, you just, you, you get this very human reaction to something that the rest of the world is like, holy cow, blockbuster trade. And then this, this dude's just going to get some packages and then realizing he's got up root his life, come to Chicago and, and get to know a new quarterback, a new franchise, all those things. You have to hope that the chemistry between uh, Fields and DJ Moore clicks in quickly, right? It's got to be something that's natural and, and is there right away. And, you know, look, like you've got months now. They can go wherever they want to go in the offseason to work together. They can get back here for OTAs and minicamp and grind it out. They can get to training camp and spend extra time working together. But by the time we get to the first week of September, they better be ready to go. Because Chase Claypool last year, it was like, oh, well, it's really hard to just parachute in. And I agree with that. In the middle of the season without going through all these offseason machinations and learning the playbook and all those things, it's hard to get your feet on the ground. Well, well, now there's a runway here for DJ Moore for six months to get his feet on the ground and be ready to produce the level he was producing in, in Carolina for the Chicago Bears. And that's going to be a must if they're going to go in any way uh, in the direction that they want to. He came to the Bears via trade. The two big ticket linebacker items, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, also spoke 
on Thursday, Dan. <laughs> One at a time. I think Tremaine Edmonds talked about the allure of the tradition of the Chicago Bears linebackers, and he talked about making an impact in his style of play, and he comes from a very good defense and a very strong organization. Here's what surprised me. He talked about being the man in the middle, in his words, and I think I didn't know, and I think we also talked about, we projected him as a weak side linebacker in the Shaq Leonard mold in that role, but it sounds like he might be the middle linebacker playing the position that Brian Urlacher played, and that was the comp for him coming out of Virginia Tech in 2018, and now he gets a chance to play in the similar defense, the same scheme, uh, and all he's got to do is achieve the same results, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> same results. I, like, I've got to hear from Matt Eberflus on this because of the vision. I want to hear the vision from the coach right. himself because we, we, we've we been led to believe that the weak side linebacker in this particular system is the money position. While you will go out and you give a guy, uh, you know, $50 million to, to play to, to play the middle and you go out after saying that ball production is a priority for you and, and then you sign a guy that doesn't have any ball production in his first five years. I will say this. Of all the six guys that came to the podium on um, – Thursday, it was Tremaine Edmonds, and then a close second is Demarcus Walker. In terms of presence, I know you're big on first impressions when guys get up and meet the media for this first time, but but Tremaine Edmonds had an energy to him that was natural. Um, it was infectious, and and it gave you an early impression of why he was a team captain at the age of 21 for the Buffalo Bills because he just has that about him. He's got a uh, you know a, a, an enthusiasm about him, but an understanding of what it takes to to be great, and he's going to have to take the next steps in his ascent. Ryan Poles praised him for his length, for his speed, for his coverage ability, and, and, and said he's special. Well, now it's time for Tremaine Edmonds to show that. The other thing I thought was notable, David, was Tremaine Edmonds came here in 2018 to Hallis Hall when he was a, a draft prospect. And he came yeah. in on a pre-draft visit <laughs> before the current Hallis Hall was expanded and renovated and, and had all these beautiful amenities to it. And he, he was very forthright today and saying it's a lot nicer now you know and like there's everything here you could want and it wasn't quite like this five years ago so that was kind of a a cool thing when you when you realize that not that long ago this guy was just a young kid coming in for a top 30 visit and now he's projected to be the star of your defense you know in all seriousness what role does that play you think because in all of the guys free agency the amenities house hall has been upgraded and refurbished into a first class operation and Gone are the days with the perception of the Bears going on the cheap, but you walk into that facility and it's so good that former players are jealous and they're like, yeah. why, didn't, why wasn't it like this when we were here? But I wonder what role that played in some of these guys if they were undecided, uh, you know, either here or there, Hallis Hall and the way that it has been renovated if that helps weigh their decision. Well, so I would say this. I don't think it played any uh, factor in these decisions, right? Like I think that more times than not, money speaks as loud as anything that you've got out there. And, and when, when, when players are trying to weigh two options against each other, usually it's who's in, in better position to win. Uh, if the offers are close. And so the Bears are, are, are playing from behind in that regard. But I do think that there is word of mouth in the NFL and players know each other and they talk to each other and they know what uh, buildings are like and they know what cultures are like and they know what leadership styles are like and they know what the amenities are like. And the Bears have all that in place. And this is probably a short aside to say that Ryan Pace deserves credit for the vision he had. One of his greatest accomplishments as the general manager of the Chicago Bears was having the vision, selling it to George and Ted, getting the financing to do it, and then putting together this 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 wing 
you know, on the building. Plus, not to mention the two new practice fields on the south end of the campus that have become major, major amenities for the Chicago Bears. And, and so when, when you've got a guy who came on a pre-draft visit five years ago and was underwhelmed and then came in today for his first day on the job as the Bears and was like, wow, this is going to be a fun place to work. You, you, you understand that there is a, a little bit of juice that comes with that. And that's that's part of uh, a part of what we do here. Five years ago, T.J. Edwards was a linebacker for Wisconsin on his way to being a really good Big Ten player, undrafted out of Wisconsin, went to the Eagles and made a name for himself. And now here he comes playing for his hometown team. Dan, he made a strong impression. Again, he was on the radio we talked about the other day with, within hours of committing to the Bears. You couldn't find somebody more satisfied and happier to you know, be where he is in his professional Energized. life. He's definitely energized. I want to ask you this, though. I thought Jack Sanborn was his buddy. He's taking his number. Is he really going to wear 57? Wasn't that Sanborn's number? How, how, do, how do you explain that? That's a good question. That's a good question. I didn't realize he was taking the number. I didn't realize those guys had already uh, put those jerseys in. Maybe he gave him a, a good chunk of cash that he got from this new deal here. And Jack said, yeah, thankfully, I, I'll happily put on a, on a different number. Um, I will say this about TJ Edwards. Like, you just feel it. You feel what – people around the league say about him, particularly people in Philadelphia, he's just rock solid. You know, he's just rock solid. He's going to be dependable. He's going to be a rock solid guy for you. And sometimes when you're on uh, in this phase of the resurgence process, you need guys that are just rock solid. And and I think TJ Edwards is going to fit that bill. Demarcus Walker was entertaining. Certainly. I want to ask you about <laughs> Travis Homer though. Um, yeah. The running back who talked about, his play, uh, playing assignment football and doing the little things. What role did you get any more clarity? What he, role he might play this year? Yeah, I, I, I do think that Travis Homer was brought here because he's got a little bit of change of pace to him. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got uh, an ability to play special teams for you. I think the Bears saw him as a guy that could be a, a four-core uh, special team guy and playing all four phases of special teams. And so he's going to be a, a complimentary part. I think they're still searching some more sizzle for the backfield, uh, a little more speed, and we'll see what they do in the draft. Um, that's just kind of one of those one of those additions that you need to do as you're building up the depth of this roster. I apologize. I don't know if you can hear the background at all. We've I, got a little bit of home renovation hear, I'm going a little, on here. Is that a drone in the background of the Weeder household? I'm worried about some sort of drone being shot down or something like that. There's some bathroom renovations going on uh, beneath me, and so there's right. a little bit of sawing going on. So I just wanted to apologize. I didn't want anyone to think that I had an adverse reaction to the uh, the lunch I had this afternoon. Apparently, you are a rebuilding <laughs> expert. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I know you know, like Ryan had described this last year as uh, you know one of those HGTV shows, and so I'm just trying to trying to to meet the uh, meet the criteria. All right, last couple things. I, I wanted to maybe next time we'll talk about it, maybe get the clip because Stacy Dales was on the Mullen Haw show on Thursday morning. And I asked Stacy about the running back position after David Montgomery. And we talked about um, how the breakdown would come with Khalil Herbert and maybe drafting somebody in the middle rounds. She said that she believes that Bajan Robinson might be the best player in this draft and that she was very high on his personality, his charisma. And at number nine, Stacey Dales, just based on being around him at the combine, talking to people that it wouldn't be that far of a reach to draft him at the ninth spot. And I said to her, I said, Stacey, okay, the hook is in my lip. I've taken the bait. I, I've bit, I, I, 
understand and I wouldn't criticize that move, Dan, even though there are still other moves. And then Ryan Poles gets to the podium and he talks about not being swayed by the need, not being swayed by this, that the best player at the highest value might be a guy that fits. Maybe, maybe that's Bajon Robinson. I don't know. Well, I told you on our last episode that, that there, I, I will buy the 99 cases that are made for why you don't take Bijan Robinson now and at this stage of your development. And then that one thing in the back of my head that says if they took him, I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot it down because I, I like the one thing you learn over time in the NFL is that particularly when you're picking in the top 10, you want the closest thing to a sure thing as possible. You don't want to be looking back and going, man, we drafted. Kevin White, man, <laughs> you know, we drafted Mitch Trubisky, whatever it may be. You want, you know, you want a guy that has all pro potential. That's going to go to multiple pro bowls that has a chance to give you every week, high level contributions. And B. John Robinson checks those boxes. And I don't think anyone's going to look back in six years and regret drafting B. John Robinson. It's just a matter of, is it the right time for a franchise that has so many other needs to do it. And so that's why I say like, you can make really strong cases and stronger cases not to take them, but it's that one case to take them. I can't get past it. I really can't. And then we're going to spend the next six weeks trying to, to, to figure out how to juggle that. If you're Ryan Poles. In these last two minutes, tell me what you think in terms of the overall upgrade, Andrew Billings and Demarcus Walker offer the bears defensive line and what positions. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Billings is a guy that has history playing the nose. He's got versatility to do either either on the interior or defensive line. I think Marcus Walker came in today and certainly is, you know, Brad Biggs, Rich Campbell, and I had a, a great saying back in the day that when a guy comes to the podium and gives you what Demarcus Walker gave us today in terms of energy and honesty and unfiltered commentary, you say he's having a great camp. Right. Like it's it's the running joke. Like the Demarcus Walker hasn't been on the field yet, but he's having a great camp because you want guys like that around for our purposes. I still have questions about uh, about why it took so long for him to get unlocked from a production standpoint and how the Bears can continue to bring that production out of them. We'll see where they go. I just think right now these are these are our space fillers. They're they're guys that are going to plug holes for now until upgrades are available. And then you got to figure out where those upgrades are going to come from. I agree. And by the way, I need it would be remiss of me not to give credit to your guy, Cairo Santos, who gave up his number two jersey and he will wear number eight because DJ Moore is number two. Congrats to Cairo for for moving on. And uh, that's Rex's number. Is he allowed to take Rex's number? Well, uh, is that Rex's number or is that (laughs) who else wore number eight? A lot of people since Rex Grossman wore number eight. I just wonder if Jaquan Brister is going to give up number nine when they sign Robbie Gold out of the blue. Uh-oh. See, so you're still waiting on the Robbie reunion. I haven't seen any headline yet. I don't know. <laughs> is he still on the street? Anything else, Dan, we didn't talk about? Anything else that we need to touch on before we Yeah, one footnote for me. The, the Bears obviously were at Georgia's Pro Day on Wednesday, and they watched Jalen Carter, as we documented in our last episode, oh, yes. stumble a little right. bit through the process. Well, Ryan Poles made it clear today that Jalen Carter's on their list for a top 30 visit. They want to bring him into House Hall. They want to learn a lot more about him. They want to get to the bottom of some things, and it'll be really in mid to late April that they put together a final evaluation on Jalen Carter and figure out if that's the direction they'd be comfortable going. I will say this. It was notable that among the Bears contingent that traveled to Athens, Georgia, the middle of this week, their director of security, John Tarpey, was there, and he wasn't just there to to, to be a bodyguard for Ryan Poles, right? There, There is a team 
put together and, and setting forth to get as much information as possible on what went on with Jalen Carter in connection to that fatal car accident in Georgia in January. And there's a lot of investigating, a lot of homework that needs to be done for an organization to, to make this big of a decision for their long-term future on a player that's got a lot going on in his life. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because of the latest is that he pleaded no contest and he was uh, sentenced to community service, I believe. And so that is a, the next phase of, of that story. And you wonder how NFL teams will interpret that. I still think that cynically speaking, more teams will be concerned about his poor workout at pro day, his, his maybe the focus and maturity level uh, than they are about what happened on that night because there it's a football equation right now for most people if they're willing to draft him and how high they're willing to draft him because the higher you go, the more risk is involved. Yeah, I mean, words that I heard even before all this stuff surfaced this month were maturity and personal investment. And you've got to get your 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 arms around that. You know, where is he? And we'll have the month of April to see where the Bears go with that. I'm sure we'll have reports when he does come in to town for his top 30 visit. And we'll just have to, to continue to keep our uh, fingers on the pulse of that. Okay, last thing. Final four, take the North version. Bama, Duke, Houston, Gonzaga. I've got Bama beating Houston in the final. I hate myself for picking Alabama. I hope they lose in the second round because they're not losing right now in the first round. But they are the best basketball team in the tournament. I think they cut down the nets and then, you know, they can celebrate. My bracket is downstairs right now, so I need to know the bottom right corner who's in that with Kansas because I know I have Bama, Marquette, Houston, and I think I picked Kansas, but is it – no, I, I'm sorry. I got UCLA, right? You UCLA, got UCLA? UCLA's the two with Kansas, right? They're going down against Gonzaga. That's what I got. And I, I, I've got a Houston-Marquette championship game uh, with Houston outlasting Shaka Smart. What do you know about college football. basketball? It's not like you wrote the book on it. To be honest with you, oh, I know I know less now about college basketball than, than I ever have, which is sad because I used to know a ton about it. Um, but I do sure think this, this year sure – by the way, did. we're recording this episode right now while Illinois yeah. is playing. I don't even oh, know what the are doing right now. You're, you're killing me here. Oh, no. But, but I, like, I will say this, that, that this is the most wide-open year that I've ever seen in terms of the mediocrity in the sport. So when Furman upsets Virginia and all these other things start oh happening, there are, there are, like, the difference between three seeds and 14 seeds anymore is minimal. This is going to be a mad, mad tournament with just a bunch of mediocre teams beating we, each other. we got to get out of here. Out. Illinois is missing already <laughs> the 10 threes, and Brad Underwood's already hoarse, and it's not even uh, to the first TV timeout. I guarantee you they've wasted at least a half dozen possessions while we've been recording this episode. I guarantee I he's in a that. bad mood already. He's a great guest, though. We love him on the Molly and <laughs> show. All right. So for Dan Weeder, Adam Studzinski, I'm David Hall. We'll come back if there's more news. Thank you for tuning in this week, all week, on the Take the North podcast. Lots of free agent stuff. Dan, what's the last word on this one? I-L-L. Oh, please. No way. This is not going to be an Illini podcast. I-N-I. I-L-L-M-I-A, maybe, today. All right. We'll find out what happens in the tournament. Keep a track of free agency. We'll be back if some news breaks. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. Thank you for watching on YouTube, the 670 Sports YouTube page. We'll be back when there's news. I'm David Hoff for Dan Weeder. Talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.